Exodus chapter 32 verses 1 to 20. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us, who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it into a mould and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf, and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it, and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn it hot against them, and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain, carrying the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, tablets that were written on both sides, written on the front and on the back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was a writing of God, engraved upon the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound made by victors, or the sound made by losers. It is the sound of revellers that I hear. As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets from his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Hello, I'm Gordon James, reader and local missional leader at St. James with St. Thomas. Poor Aaron. The only religion that he had known was a worship of images. That's what everybody did. 
He had learned from Moses that God had delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. But what God? Where was he? What were the people supposed to worship? Even centuries later, in the time of Jesus' earthly life, the Jews were considered odd. They were even called atheists. Why? Because at the heart of their magnificent temple in Jerusalem, in the Holy of Holies, there was no statue, no image, just an empty space. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob could not be depicted in the work of human hands. Of course, God knows that we limited human beings can't conceive of the fullness of his being. Our minds are just not big enough. So he allows us to use metaphors. In the Bible, God is said to have hands. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Feet. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet, a face. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause your face to shine. It's easy to see that these metaphors are not meant literally. But there are other, more subtle temptations to idolatry. Even though God has warned us that, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We constantly seek to confine God within our systems, to believe that we can plumb the depths of God's wisdom. Yes, it is right that we should strive to understand about God and his commands. But when we forget that our ideas about God, our doctrines, however sound, can never comprehend his being, then we slip into idolatry. Our own ideas about God take the place of God himself. Both the humblest new Christian and the most learned professor of theology must always approach the mystery of God with profound humility. And then there is the idolatry which St Paul warns us about, greed. He warns us to put to death greed, which is idolatry. This seems strange. Clearly, greed is bad, and idolatry is bad, but surely they're quite different. No, says St Paul. Greed is the excessive love of earthly things, of creatures. Greed assumes that ultimate fulfilment can be gained from God's gifts rather than from God himself. The created thing is put in the place of the creator. And that is the definition of idolatry. But the Bible does allow for an image of God. In Genesis we read that human beings are made in the image of God. For Christians, that is the basis of the infinite worth of every human being. However distorted, we see the image of God in all our fellow humans. And at last we are told that the perfect image of God came to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ, the image of the unseen God. At last, 
Aaron's quest is over. We now know who we worship, for God has revealed himself fully in Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth. <laughs>